Proverbs chapter 31, last chapter of the book of Proverbs, and, and um, uh, it's looking like it's just going to kind of come out to about three years exactly on this going through this book, and um, uh, I hope that it's been a blessing to you. And uh, tonight, we're looking uh, at the last chapter, of course, and you know, throughout the book of Proverbs, we've seen, and I've made mention throughout this study, uh, that uh, really we have here, the, the focus is really mostly a father's advice and counsel to his son, uh, namely Solomon, uh, you know, uh, uh, getting his counsel, if you will. And, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great book, and, and I think that it's uh, an important book as well. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's amazing, you know, when you, when you start studying the Bible, because we come to chapter 31, and now it's the mother that's giving advice, but still again to the son. And I think that's important, um, you know, especially in today's age with everything that's going on, you know, with trying to confuse the lines of what it is to be a, a husband or a wife, a man or a woman even. And there's a great need of, of, of homes across the country to get a, get, to get a hold of this thought. Um, you see, really here, really the bookends of a father and mother raising a godly child. And that's God's way. That's the best way, right? Now, that doesn't always happen. It's not that God can't bless in different situations, but God's preferred method, amen? God's preferred method, method is, a, is a husband and a wife, a male and a female, raising their children together. And I think that's important. God's got all this figured out. And there's a great need, I think, uh, in our country for that. Uh, a commentator from years gone by, John Phillips, uh, don't agree with everything he says, but he said this. He said, first and last, the home is the bastion of a nation. And he went on to say, as the home is, so is the homeland. And you've heard me say similar things like that. I, I believe as the families go, the country goes. And that's basically what he's saying right here. Um, it doesn't matter who's the president. It doesn't matter about a lot of things. When homes start deteriorating, the country deteriorates. And we could even take it a step further. And um, really a lot of this has to do with the attitude towards the Bible, the attitude towards church. Um, certainly those things begin to crumble and it just trickles outward and pretty soon you have a nation that knows not God and you have a nation that that is in turmoil again we see that today unfortunately uh, getting worse and uh, you know you should study great men now unfortunately I, I, I wish you know I could say this but I doubt you're gonna learn it at school these days or at colleges but if you get some real books and you study men like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Winston Churchill, Andrew Jackson, uh, men like that, they'll say that it was their mother who influenced them the most about what it is to be a good man. You know, and their situations were different, you know. And so, so again, this is a real uh, interesting thought here. And again, it's the home. It's not school, right? It's the home. It's not, a, it's not even the church. It's, it's the home where a child finds the wisdom that he needs to live for the Lord. Amen. And so many parents, they want to push it off on the school. They want to push it off the church, Sunday school, or what have you. Certainly, the church family is a great tool in helping us with that. But it all has to be began uh, and monitored and structured at the home. Amen. And so that's important. 
And again, I think all we have to do is just be honest and look at what's going on in the world today. We would know that there's a breakdown there. And so tonight we have a, a, a message title, but he's probably got it up there already, but uh, an admonition from a concerned and godly mother. And we're going to just probably get through the first nine verses or so uh, tonight, and we'll just kind of jump right in this, take one verse uh, at a time. I mentioned here a while back, I had somebody question me, not like challenge me, but they, they asked me about the phrase um, uh, concerning Romans chapter 1, verse 31, the loss of natural affection. And I've found myself mentioning that several times, uh, not lately, but uh, there for a while I, I had mentioned it several times. Um, and in Romans chapter 1, verse 31, it's listed among really some very terrible sins, fornication, murder, backbiters, even haters of God. It goes on to say, and those without natural affection. And uh, the individual wanted to know exactly what that meant. And what it means is, is hard-heartedness towards kindred. In other words, your, your family. In other words, you, you, you don't have the feelings that you should have toward them. Um, and, and again, I, I, you know, I'm not wanting to be cruel or controversial or judgmental, but I'm just, I just want to be honest tonight. Uh, and, and I believe that, that a lot of the blame, uh, you know, when, when I say dysfunctional families, we're all dysfunctional, right? So please don't take me wrong. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, you, you've seen it, maybe at Walmart or wherever. Uh, small children, uh, the words that come out of their mouth toward their parents, you know, you, you, you see the things going on. And even the parents, the words that come out of their mouth in front of their children. You know, uh, we, we know the, the run-ins with the law. We know the drugs. We know the, the hunger. We know the, 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 the diapers never being changed. We, we know all about that. And it's right here in West Plains. Okay? So, so what we have to look at is say, okay, that certainly is a dysfunctional family. Now, God loves them. And we want to see them saved, right? That's, I don't want you to misunderstand me here. But, but, but again, uh, I lay this, this dysfunctional family, how does these things happen? And certainly it has to be laid at the feet of fathers and mothers who were probably raised that way themselves. But fathers and mothers who are really just seeking their own. They care more about themselves than they do their children. They are unhappy, they're mad, what have you. Uh, and they, their children basically are getting in their way. And there's a loss of natural affection. And that's sad to see. And they were probably raised that way themselves. And so, um, but it doesn't even stop there. I, I've seen this over the years. Uh, parents who seem to be very busy with their children. In other words, uh, man, they're involved with everything. Uh, you know, they're... They're involved, as the Bible says, with everything under the sun. In other words, everything in this world, the S-U-N. But they're not involved with much that has to do with the Son of God. You know, and it's almost like they're trying to make up for a, uh, a lack here by doing busy. And look what I do for my, you know, uh, you know they're going to be involved in this. And they're going to play this sport. And they're going to play this instrument. And they're going to go here and they're going to go there. Look what I'm doing for my children. But yet, there's no spiritual training in there anywhere. They're not concerned with their children's spiritual needs. They're concerned with their children's carnal needs. Um, uh, you know, uh, I don't hear much about it anymore, but remember when the, the, uh, the, uh, the beauty pageants with the little girls was a big thing? Oh, that used to drive me insane. I was just like, what are you people thinking? And I don't, maybe it's still going on, I don't know. Uh, but, but 
even not with beauty pageants, but, but really in a lot of ways, parents sometimes they want to, you know, kind of parade their children, you know, like a pony show or something. And, and, and what they're teaching them is to desire applause. And to desire applause from what? Well, from a sinful world, from a carnal world. In other words, for some people, they would rather their children fit in with this dying world than to be saved and go to heaven someday. Isn't that terrible? I say again, that's a loss of natural affection. I believe that with all my heart. Uh, and, and a lot of times, uh, just using their children again to feed their own carnality, those types of things. And again, I know this probably isn't a very popular statement, but we need a revival in, in godly, and may I just say as humbly as I can, godly stay-at-home moms. Amen and amen. I don't think anybody in here would would even dare to say that things weren't better back in the day when most mamas were at home. I don't think anybody could argue that, right? And there's a reason. That's not the only reason, but certainly that's one of the reasons, right? And so again, I believe that God has these things figured out, and we need a revival in that. Uh, but uh, tonight we have a, a I'm going to say, a lovely woman with not a very good past. I, I believe we very well could be talking about Bathsheba. And we know what happened with Bathsheba, right? And David, uh, she, she too committed adultery, if you remember. But we have here, some time has gone by. If it's her, I'm not saying that it is, but I think it very well could be. And we have here a lovely woman who had her head on straight at this time. And I, and I want to see what she has to say to her son. And so, so number one, we find a committed mother to the right things. You know, she was a woman at this point in her life who was concerned about the right things. We notice there, verse 1, the words of King uh, Lemuel, the prophecy, notice what it says, that his mother taught him. Now, that's pretty significant, isn't it? And I think that's real important to understand, this prophecy that his mother taught him. And so God was using this, we assume, this young man's mother. It very well could be that Solomon was even king by now, but probably still very young. But God is using this man's mother to speak to him. And so what we're talking about here is this was a, this, for God to say this, this, this prophecy that his mother taught him, this wasn't just a a mother that was uh, uh, freaking out a little bit and having a meltdown. This was a mother who truly had a godly concern for her son. And it was genuine. Uh, it wasn't a fleshly, social, you know, sentimental thing for her. This was a spiritual concern that she had for her son. And again, I think we need this. Then we see verse 2. And she starts off with some questions. What, my son? And what, the son of my womb? and what the son of my vows. Amen. And so, again, I, I, we can't be sure, you know, if, if here, there, there's some things here I'm going to speculate for tonight, if you'll allow me, uh, but we can't be sure if her son was maybe leaning in the wrong direction, perhaps, or maybe, you know, and she's trying to correct him, or, you know, set him straight on some things, or just perhaps she is simply just cautioning him, saying, look, you're doing good, but do not, you know, don't go off track here. And so she's getting involved. And she starts off again with some series of questions that were began there in verse 2 and, and uh, to express her love for him. Now, some believe that uh, Lemuel is Solomon. 
uh, and he's king by now, and his mother, of course, was Bathsheba, if that be the case, and, and we know the story there. So, uh, again, it just tells us that, hey, listen, no matter your mistakes in the past, no matter your background, amen, even if you, I've shared with you guys Sunday night, kind of shared my heart with you a little bit about my regrets as, as, a, as a parent that wasn't saved, and boy, I wish I could go back and change some things, but here we have a lady, if this be Bathsheba, that is proof that God can still bless your home, amen. And we just gotta, we just gotta be some honest, be honest about some things. And so, if that be the case, she would understand from her own personal experience again the the ingredients that are found in the world that that lead to a dysfunctional home. Amen. I mean, dysfunctional homes don't just happen. There's things that take place to bring it to be a dysfunctional home. And uh, so again, she understood that the choices of of dads and moms that, that lead to the ruin of their very own children. And so this mother is asking, hey, what can I say to you? What can I say? The son of my womb, the son of, of it says vows, but she's saying they're the son of my concerns. And God has given you uh, to me to raise. And so we see there's certainly no loss of affection here, right? Amen to that. And her main purpose, out, I'm sure outside of pleasing God in her own life, was certainly to show her love for her son by being committed uh, to, to do the right things and to show him the right things. And again, I've, I've kind of hit on these things as well. I, I wonder sometimes, you know, um, and again, I understand lost people do what lost people do, um, but, but sometimes, you know, I have to wonder the choices that parents make concerning their children uh, you know, sometimes I really want to say, what is it that you really want for your children? What is it that you're, you're hoping to see here? Uh, and a lot of what we see today is, is just worldlings teaching children how to be worldlings. And that's sad. It's heartbreaking. But here we have a mother that's committed to teaching her son righteousness and faithfulness. And, of course, we have to think of the Bible, amen, the Word of God. This was a mom who was certainly a disciplinarian, no doubt about that, and a mother who really was going to take no chances with her son whatsoever. And so, number one, she was a committed mother to do the right things, particularly concerning her son. Number two, uh, a godly mother's major concerns for her son. And so now we get into some specific things that she wants to warn her son about, this mother focuses on. Now remember, <clears throat> this is the prophecy his mother taught him, so this, this wasn't just an overprotective mother. This was this something that, that God is saying, amen? And so we're going to see three things here as seen in our text that this godly mother was concerned about concerning her son. And again, there's nothing new under the sun, right? These are the same problems we see today. And so number one, she was concerned about his love life. Look at verse 3. He says, Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. And it could be very well that, that Solomon was a young king at this time. So as a king in those days, certainly, uh, you know, a king in those days could, you know, you've heard me say this before, they could be, they could do, they could have, you know, whatever they wanted. Uh, and this wise mother realizes, no doubt, the struggles that a young man can have. You know, folks, here's the thing. You know, I, I, I mentioned technology some. Um, I know there's some good things, but there's a lot more bad. And I don't know that the little good we get out of it makes up for the bad. I'm just going to be honest with you. I think in the long run, we're hurting worse because of technology than it's ever helped us. I believe that. Um, and I'm talking about spiritual things. And, and again, I, you know, I, I think too, and, and boy, I, I messed up on this with my son as well, I explained. But we've got to get our head out of the sun 
uh, <laughs> or out of the sand, rather, uh, concerning, you know, these advancements in technology. Um, and and I, I believe my son made it through his teens well. I'm, I'm proud of my boy. Um, you know, there's some things I, I wish that he would do better. Uh, but um, I, I realized looking back that, that even though cell phones, even in his day, weren't near like what they are today, but, but I did, I let him have one when he was 16. Now, I would never do that today. Never would I do that today. And it, because since then, it's been many, many years, I've sat across the desk from parents, and it's heartbreaking what happens sometimes. You know, with technology, we have young people, really babies still, 16 years old is a baby, right? It's a baby. And technology, and we all want our children to succeed. We all want them to fit in and be liked and those things. But sometimes they're, they're, they come into contact with people they should never come in contact with at that point in their life. They're not ready to handle it. And it's a recipe for disaster. Uh, and so again, you know, uh, you know I've, I've been learning some things over the years, but, but looking back, I, I was foolish, you know, uh, and I wish that I, it could have hurt him bad. I don't think that it did, but it could have. And, and again, just over the years, seeing teenagers, you know, we're talking faithful families that, you know, gone to church for years and their children have grown up. And, and pretty soon, by the time they're 16, 17 years old, they're away from God. And, and there's three things that... that that I, I have always connected with this, and, 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 and it seems, and I was one of them, that, that parents are eager for their children to dive into. And I'm talking about when I say teenagers, you know, uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, you know, uh, sooner or later they're going to need these things, but I've already mentioned the cell phone. But when I think about these train wrecks, when it comes to teenagers, they had a phone, they had a job, and they had a car. And within months, they were out of church. I'm not trying to be ugly. You know, you, you, you raise your children how you see fit. I'm just saying from a pastor's perspective, those three things were always in place. And not every child did that, but most did. Uh, and so again, we've got to kind of get our head out of the sand. And, and again, we, have to, we just have to be careful about turning our children out into this world too early. Amen? And so again, you have to decide what you want to do there. That's not what this is about. I'm just giving you some ingredients there that, of some things that I've seen in losing our young people to the world. And it puts them into contacts with those that, that are they're not looking at love and marriage and sex from a biblical view. They're not looking at it like that. Do you hear what I'm saying? And, and so we feed them to the wolves. <laughs> you know, unknowingly maybe, but still, we, we need more preaching like this. Amen? I know it's not popular. I know this probably won't grow a church real fast. But hey, listen, I, I just want you to understand, this is, to me, any young person that we are privileged to minister to, whether it's bus children or what have you, hey, I want to take it seriously, don't you? Amen. I believe God holds us accountable for that. And so a concerned, godly mother will warn her children about the dangers of lust and immorality, and that's what she's talking about here, and not give her children really an avenue to make provisions for the flesh. And so her number one concern was about his love life. Her number two concern was about alcohol. Look at verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. 
It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law, pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. You know, drunkenness is always attached to some type of immorality, always. And that ought to, you know, anybody with any sense would certainly understand that. So we have a godly mother, a concerned mother, telling her son to, to be a teetotaler. <laughs> you know, and just do it in moderation. No, she's saying stay away from it completely, total abstinence, amen. And by the way, that's what I preach, amen. I believe that's uh, something we need to get away from. And she's saying, now son, you're a king, you're a man of importance, and you've got to stay away from alcohol because it clouds your judgment, it'll ruin you, it'll, it'll, it'll hurt you. She's saying stay away from it. And, of course, those maybe, say, trying to justify drinking, they'll say, yeah, but he was a king. And, and, uh, but, hey, if it's bad for a king to drink, it's bad for anyone to drink. And, and we all have an area of rule, right? I mean, we're all influencing somebody or something somewhere. I'm just telling you, there's no room for alcohol in a Christian's life. Amen. By the way, just do a study on what strong drink is, and you might be surprised. So if you want to amount to something, and, of course, I'm probably preaching to the choir, uh, but uh, uh, if young people want to mount something, they need to stay away from alcohol. Amen to that. Uh, to me, it's just as bad as any drug out there. Notice what God led her to say, uh, who was for alcohol. This ought to open our eyes. He says, give, verse 6, give strong drink unto him uh, that is ready to perish. That's a pretty hard word, isn't it? You know, give, give, give those that are ready to perish, go ahead and give it to them. And wine unto those that be heavy of heart, be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. And I can't help but think there's a little bit of uh, a condescending note to this. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, maybe not. Um, you know, she's kind of laying it out there, being, being pretty blunt. Why not? It's her son, right? She's wanting to make a point. And so this uh, tells us that alcohol is for those that, that really struggle in lives, whose lives are a mess, and, and it's for those who want to wallow in their misery and discontentment and so on. He says, you know, she's saying, my son, uh, you know, you'll, you, know you, you need to stay away from that. You're, you're a king. You don't want that. And again, you might make the argument, well, he was a king. Well, I, you know, I, when I think about these things, I think about my own children. My son will never be a king. Uh, my daughter, although I think she is, but she's not really ever going to be a queen, right? Uh, uh, but, but I don't want alcohol to be in any part of their lives. And uh, I don't know if I could take my son or not, but I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> me, me and him, would, would, we, we would probably, uh, I'd lay hands on him really hard and fast if I knew that he was drinking alcohol tonight. Amen. Amen. It's no good. It is no good. Uh, it'll ruin lives, and I've seen it ruin lives. And again, it's, it's for those that, that uh, again, for those that, that are failing in life. Uh, listen, the person, you know, things that make a person drunk are for drunkards, right? You know, I mean, if it, it's something that, that were to be uh, spirit-filled, right? Uh, listen, anything that I put into my body, and, and certainly the, the, the Bible doesn't preach against medicine, but I want you to understand we're talking about people who are just wanting that high, they're wanting that party. Hey, listen, alcohol is for drunkards, and I don't want anything that's for drunkards. Amen. And I sure don't want my children involved with that. So uh, read the book of Hosea. It'll teach you that alcohol, intoxicating drink, it feeds immorality. And it sure does. 
Boy, if it wasn't for the alcohol, they'd have never done that. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. That's what Hosea says. And that's true. And we know it's true tonight. We know it's true. So this godly mother was concerned about her son's love life. She was also concerned about his attitude towards alcohol. And number three, finally, she was concerned that he'd have a heart for the less fortunate in life. And he says in verse 8, Open thy mouth for the dumb. In the cause of all, such as are appointed to destruction, open thy mouth. In other words, speak up for some people here. Judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. And certainly these things should be seen in really any political leader or ruler or nation, no doubt about that. Now that word dumb, it doesn't always mean what we think it means. But it's talking about in this instance those who, that, that, don't, have a, that don't have much and they don't have really a voice to defend themselves. They don't have that ability to, to, to take up for themselves. He's saying, listen, th these are people who need someone to speak on their behalf. And certainly we need that. Now, here's what I'll, I want to make a point here. <clears throat> because human beings, we always tend to overcorrect, don't we? <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, I, I am, I'm for masculine men. Masculinity. We need a revival in masculinity. In, in all aspects of it, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, uh, we just need men to, to, as my dad used to say, sometimes, son, you just got to hump up and take it like a man. We need that today. You know, this, you know, my feelings are hurt and, you know, woe is me. Be a man. So we, I'm for masculinity, right? Uh, I'm concerned about the feminizing of men, amen? I mean, our culture is just, I mean, it's, it's feminizing the men, and, and uh, uh, you know, the men get more feminine, and the women get more masculine. Do you not see that? Am I the only one who sees that? That's not the way of God. And I believe our country's headed down the same road a lot of other countries have been in a long time. Uh, let me just say this. The Bible doesn't teach a matriarchal society the Bible teaches a patriarchal society. Amen. You can say amen to that. It's Bible. You don't need to be ashamed of that. Amen. And so that's how, that's how God sets up things. So the Bible does teach that. But with all that said, this godly mother had a concern for her son that he not get hard-hearted. You know, you can still be a masculine man but have a tender heart. You know, we don't, we don't have to prove our masculinity if you're a real man, it'll come out. Amen. You just do what God says, you'll be a man. But we have to have a tender heart. And she wanted her son here, of course, this had to do with him being a king, but all of us men, listen, uh, you know, to have uh, a heart about the needs of the less fortunate and so on. And, and so it is, I believe, that, that a man needs to have a tender side to him as well. I think that's important. And... Uh, uh, some of us do better in that area and others. Uh, certainly, I, I wish I could do better in that. So we have an admonition from a concerned and godly mother. Here's the thing, and I want to go ahead and try to get done because I want to move the chairs from here. We've got some upstairs I want to grab and put in that other room. I remembered. Praise the Lord. It's because I wrote it at the end of my notes. <laughs> I would have forgot had I not wrote it there. But we have an admonition from a concerned and godly mother. Here, here's what I would say for our prayer time here in the next few minutes. 
certainly whatever needs you might have in your life, whatever it is you're going through, there might be some things going on in your life that had nothing to do with the Bible verses tonight. Certainly you need to come pray about that. There's things on this prayer list we need to come pray for. Um, I'm, I'm not going to uh, tell you what you should or shouldn't pray for. You, you come to this altar and do business with God, whatever that may need. But tonight, if you're <clears throat> just uh, wanting to pray, amen, I hope that you are, uh, we need to pray you know, for, for families, amen. We need to pray for what I call the innocent victims, and really it's children, you know, and we see them, you know, we, we see them. Sometimes they even come through our doors, right? You know, and, 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 and we know, what, well, actually we don't know. I mean, sometimes I don't think we realize what these young people that come through our doors, what they go home to. And, and maybe tonight, just maybe just come and ask God to get a hold of your heart. And, and uh, if you have children, grandchildren, come pray for them, you know. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's not easy. I, I tell you, um, I, I, I believe with all my heart, it, it's much harder to raise children today than it was when I was raising my children. I believe that. I just believe that it's, uh, it's just tough, you know. It's just tough, you know. Um, you know, it's getting to the point where uh, parents that want to discipline their children according to the Bible, they could be hauled off to jail, you know. And that wasn't around when I was raising mine. It was getting there. I was threatened a couple times with it, but it never happened. But, but I'm just saying, it, it, we're to that point. But we're just going to have to be men. We're going to have to be godly women, right? And uh, I'm going to obey God. Because, uh, hey, listen, nobody's going to hurt my child. Nobody. Amen. And uh, so just maybe come and pray about that and ask God to help you with that. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we come to you tonight. Father, there is a great need.